Hello and welcome to Ace Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today our guest is A's Director of Player Development, Ed Sprague. We'll talk about the player pool camp in San Jose and who's looking good, plus the future of development in the wake of the pandemic and all the changes it's brought. Ed, let's start off talking about the camp in San Jose. Um, first of all, how, how tough was it to get things up and running there? You guys had to look for actually a site for really uh, at least two weeks, it seemed like. How many different places were you talking to and looking at? Um, we were looking at uh, you know three different options. Obviously, Stockton was our first option. Uh, ran into some challenges there, and then we, you know, I think we looked at Laney uh, briefly, um, and you know they had just had some concerns being on the university. And then you know the obviously the Giants facility here in San Jose was uh, an option, and you know that was kind of handled at the higher levels to to get that all approved. And once that happened, it was uh, it moved pretty fast, really. Um, you know, Dave Renetti did a really good job of coming down and getting us set up with some some tents and and. You know, we had a, a meeting here on the Thursday before camp started just to kind of get the lay of the land. And then once we got up here, uh, you know, Shane and Justin Whitehouse, two trainers, our two strength coaches, and, and Zach Bash kind of got all the equipment up here from Arizona and, and Oakland and kind of laid everything out and spread everything out training room-wise. And uh, so they did a really nice job in, in a short amount of time. Wow. Uh, how is this setup? I mean, is there just kind of obviously the A's had to move a lot of their equipment like out into the parking lot to set up some outdoor workout facilities and and training facilities. So is that kind of the way you did things there with the with the tents? Where where is everything? Yeah, so we had you know we had to. Uh, I mean, we at first I thought it was going to be a lot more difficult than it has turned out to be. Uh, you know, we just don't have the space. It was really not a problem at the beginning. We only had you know. 12 or 13 players uh, it was no problem using both locker rooms and using the con- the covered concourse has been nice down here to kind of spread out the locker room we have an outdoor training room in there as well as an indoor training room and then we covered a, a uh, like a barbecue area that we're able to use in a, as an extensive extension of the weight room uh, and it's also been a place where guys have been able to go and eat lunch uh, in a shaded area so that's been it's actually worked out a lot better than I kind of thought it would when I first viewed the site um but it's been good that the grounds crew here has been phenomenal, which has been a big help. This field looks great. Um, and so it's been, it's been pleasantly surprised on how well it's worked. The proximity to the hotel has been good. And so all those things, you know, being said, it's, it's actually turned out pretty good. Uh, that's so great. Far. Cause it's an older facility. I'm, I'm pretty familiar with it, but that's, that's great. And you guys are relatively close to Oakland and uh, yeah, it's really, uh, it's really good. Um, how are things going there just overall? Do you, do you have to stagger guys as they come in there? Especially, you've kind of got different, almost two different groups there. You've got a bunch of older guys and a bunch of younger guys. Do you do you try to stagger them? We know we are staggering. We, we have to stagger them just based on the protocols in terms of locker room space. Um, and so we're getting guys in, coming in about in half hour, 45-minute intervals. Uh, we usually typically bring the pitchers, catchers, and and a set of the younger infielders in first. And even those guys come in, you know, like 15 minutes apart. Uh, And then the older group, 
and the pitchers that would possibly be throwing in a semi game that day would come in later. So then you have the older outfielders, you have all the outfielders and some of the older infielders would come in. So there's two separate sessions of batting practice, two separate sessions of defense. Um, and then a case like today, we staggered the hitting, but then we're having a four inning sim game. So they'll all kind of come together at that point. Uh, and then they kind of stagger uh, as they're leaving too. So it's just a matter of, you know, in terms of getting treatment and then getting lunch. So that's all kind of staggered out. Oh, wow. Um, how are guys looking? Uh, how are you kind of keeping a, a competition level going, especially when you do have to stagger guys? How, how do you manage that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, actually guys look really good. I mean, I, don't, I think everybody kind of was at least able to do something. Uh, you know, we had some of the Latin guys who had came over were quarantined in, in Arizona were maybe a little bit behind just because they hadn't done anything in about 15 days. Um, but other than that, most of the guys were fairly in shape and were able to jump right into it. Uh, I would say everybody looks pretty good given this point. I mean, you're, it's, they're farther along than they were, you know, like in a spring training setting. I, mean, I would say they're, they're not midseason form, of course, but uh, they're, they're in like towards the end of spring training type form, at least the younger guys here. And then of course the guys that have been in Oakland for a couple of weeks, they're, they're ready to rock and roll. So we have done a little bit of uh, competition, but really today we'll, we'll have a kind of our first little green and gold game. We have four innings. And so we'll, we now have our full complement of people here. Dykeman's back. Uh, Mark Payton is here. Uh, Nate Orff's back. Uh, so we have, we can kind of feel the, you know, eight versus eight or nine versus nine, whatever you want to say it in terms of positioning before it's always, it was kind of like, we'd have to have three different teams, you know, two teams on defense, one team hitting because we just didn't have the, the matchups for position for position. Oh, wow. Who's pitching today? Uh, Blackburn, uh, Lutke and, uh, Holmes maybe. Excellent. No, Holmes drove slot. He threw side yesterday. So, yeah, Blackbird's going four, and then we have uh, two relievers going two each. And, and I know Luki, one of my try I'm blanking on who else is throwing. Uh, maybe, oh, Schultz. Schultz is starting. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting how you, how you do kind of have that split there with the, the guys that immediately could help the big league team if needed from the from the pool player group. Uh, and then you have the younger guys, um, obviously, so some very recent draft picks and then uh, a couple of former first-rounders, um, guys who were – either sort of rookie ball or maybe low level a guys this year. Uh, what's the, what's the mix like there when it's, when it's like that, how much do they intermingle with some of the older players? Do they kind of watch the older players? Has, is it maybe good for some of these younger guys to, to see some of the, the pool player guys for Oakland? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Poisson was actually watching noisy and Campbell take ground balls yesterday. And, you know, I think it's been great. And the, the, the young guys that fit in well and, and, you know, we have such a concentration of talent here. Uh, you know, obviously there's some of our better younger players. Um, and so it's been nice to, to watch and they've, they fit in very well with the older guys. The older guys have been great taking them in and, um, you know, even Soderstrom's fit right in and, you know, Jeffrey's was, you know, from the same hometown is really kind of taking him under his wing as like his little brother. And, um, so it's been good. It's been, it's been really good so far. Everybody's attitude has been great. Uh, and, and, we're getting a lot of work done in a short amount of time, so it's been it's been nice. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Tyler Soderstrom. Obviously, your um, number one pick in back in the amateur draft this year, and he's I'm sure you have a soft spot for guys who are out from that direction anyway. And San Joaquin Valley, being from Stockton yourself, but uh, how's it? You know, he's 18 years old. 
how's he looking? How's he handling himself? Well, if you, if you didn't know any better, you would think he was uh, a first-rounder coming out of college, to be honest with you. Uh, that's how mature his game is. I've been really surprised. Um, I mean, we knew he was good. Obviously, he was a first-round talent. Everybody knew that. And you saw the video, and he played at an elite level with all the perfect games in Team USA. And that being said, he's still a high school kid, right? And he's coming in, and he's facing pitchers that have pitched in AA and AAA. Uh, and he hasn't, he hasn't missed a beat. I mean, he is – he is not overmatched at all. Uh, offensively, his bat is it's above you know, what you would expect from anybody we've had in the last five years in terms of draft-wise. and It's it's really special to watch. Um, and then catching-wise, he's, he's a lot farther along than, than I expected. You know, but again, I only saw a video from last summer, so there's obviously been a maturation period over the last 12 months. Uh, but he's... Uh, He's done well. He's handled, you know, he's had Waters and Charles, no problem in pins. He's caught all these guys, Caprillion, and he's catching them fine. I mean, there's no, there's no overmatchness there. So uh, he's got some work on his setup and maybe some, some blocking skills and maybe a little footwork, but you know, he's, he's a lot farther along that than, than I think anybody would expect it on the defensive side. And of course, offensively, uh, it's as good as advertised. Yeah, oh, man. That's, uh, I really wish we could get down there and see some of that stuff, but MOB won't be it. You guys are media-free zone, unfortunately. So tell me how some of the pitchers are looking because, uh, you know, potentially if the A's had a need, that might be the first thing that would be needed would be the pitching. You mentioned some of them, and some of them we, we have seen here uh, until the until the actual game started, like Blackburn and Lukey, but you've got uh, Dalton Jeffries there, Grant Holmes, James Caprillion, guys, some guys you've mentioned. Anybody, Wanderson Charles, anybody who's really jumped out, who, who's kind of really looking like they're locked in for you right now? Well, it's early, but I think the, the most important thing is that uh, command is there, right? That's the one thing, you, you know, when you first come back, you know, what's their command going to look like and how's their arm strength going to be? And um, the command is there and, and the stuff is right where they left off. So I wouldn't say anybody's, you know, much different. I mean, maybe cap looks a little bit different than he did at the end of last year, just cause he's, you know, continuing to be farther and farther away from the injury. Uh, he's, he's looked good. I mean, Jeffries has looked good. Uh, Jeffries changeup has been superior. Um, you know, Charles and Romero both filled up the strike zone yesterday in their little first outing on the mound, uh, which is great. I mean, obviously Charles's command is, you know, been an issue in the past, and he was spot on yesterday through some great sliders and change-ups uh, and was, you know, up to 95, 96. I mean, he's so – everybody's stuff is there, and but you worry about the command, and the command has been there. I mean, I we've walked maybe a couple guys in all the outings we've had, so that's obviously a plus. Anybody who gets called up there, you want them to be able to compete in the strike zone and give yourself an opportunity, especially with our great defense in Oakland. And uh, I would say right now that's that's been there. Uh, Holmes threw the ball – very good the other day um the breaking stuff you know is kind of i would say the breaking stuff is kind of hit or miss with these guys right now but uh the good ones are really good and you know it's just trying to finish the pitches off a little bit but um nothing you wouldn't normally see in in any sort of regular side session or or live dp uh, at this point but they're like they're farther along than than a, than a spring training scenario for sure now, you guys added Ben Bracewell yesterday is he there yet uh, obviously we saw him a little bit during the first spring he, he is here. Today will be his first day. So he had his intake testing um, on Sunday and then wait for that test. So he's clear. Uh, same same with Mark Payton. So they've both been – they got here. They had their intake testing. They quarantined, uh, and, and they're ready to rock and roll today. So that will be their first day. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to see Daniel Gossett go. I'm sure that was a, a tough decision for everyone in the front office. And obviously he's been a, in the A system for a long, a long time. What are your what thoughts on Daniel and kind of, you know, seeing him go since he was released to make room for, for Bracewell coming back, you know, everyone knows how hard he worked coming back from the Tommy John surgery. And he, he looked pretty decent in the uh, fall league last year too. Yeah. Everybody loves Goose. He's a great guy, you know, very friendly and fun and, you know, I think everybody as a person loved him. And when his stuff was on, he was really good. Unfortunately, he had the injuries. And, you know, I haven't seen him since spring. So, you know, it's tough. And I haven't really talked to him. But, um, yeah, it's a tough go. I mean, that's just the nature of this business, unfortunately. And especially given this time where we're at, it's it's a, it's a, you don't want to see anybody go, especially someone that you drafted and developed and got to the big leagues. And um, so it's, it's tough, you know, and, and we root for Goose. And hopefully he gets healthy and can, you know, get back in the major leagues, you know, soon. Yeah, definitely. I think we all hope that. Mark Payton being back, that's kind of fun. Um, a little guy with huge numbers last year in Vegas um, was taken in the Rule 5 draft and then uh, just returned the other day. How how nice is it to, to get a, a bat like that back? He's such an such an interesting player with after a, a year like that. Yeah, you know, we didn't get a chance to see him uh, much in spring training last year. I mean, just a little bit, and obviously – he had a monster year in Vegas, uh, which was great, and got himself, you know, in the Rule Five. And again, another guy with in the different circumstances, you know, probably, you know, maybe has a chance to make the club, maybe doesn't, maybe some sort of trade works out. Who knows how it's all going to go down? And um, but yeah, so it's you know we'll get him back here, and you know he's got a, a nice little game to him, and and hopefully we get him on track. And yeah, I know he was disappointed not to not to uh, you know make the club with the I think Cincinnati mm-hmm. and. Um, so, like I said, you know, that those those kind of stories, we'll see where he's at attitude-wise, and, and hopefully we get him uh, ready to rock and roll as soon as possible. You can read more about my interview with Ed Sprague in the San Francisco Chronicle this week. For subscriptions, go to sfchronicle.com slash pod. We will be back in just a moment. Position players, anyone kind of jumping out at you? Uh, obviously, you got a big influx of guys coming from uh, the big league team. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sky Bolt looks good. And, and, you know, we've got the reports from uh, Bushy that he did swung the bat really well yeah. while he was there. Uh, you know, as, you know, Louis Brera's here. Obviously, he's a roster guy. He's, he's swung the bat well. He's, he looks ready to rock and roll. And then, uh, you know, of course, Nick Allen, who's he looks midseason form in terms of defense. And, uh, and Logan Davidson started to swing the bat really good. I mean, we didn't like, – he was a little bit hit and miss, you know, picked it up quite a bit in instructional league in terms of he got up to a slow start in Vermont. Uh, but he's he's now – you know, he went opposite field homer the other day from the left side, you know, and he's, he's playing well. So it's uh, it's been nice. I mean, like I said, the concentration of talent is so much different, you know, than, than we're used to having it like an affiliate, right, other than – maybe AAA. But so it's nice to see these guys, you know, every single day up close and personal – and then, the, like you said, the range of, of ages, you know, we have 17-year-old uh, in Poisson and, you know, a 33-year-old in, in Campbell. So um, it's, a, it's a lot different and uh, just managing their different workloads. And, and I think the guys that are younger understand that they're likely not going to ever see the big league field this year. Um, and it's just an opportunity for them to continue to, to grow their game and maybe, you know, really concentrate on one or two areas that they need to, to work on and really – you know, hone that in in a, in a non-competitive setting where they can really get that fundamental down. 
You mentioned Poisson, obviously a very high-profile international signing for you guys and very young. How do you guys handle somebody like that um, who's obviously coming from a, another country and, uh, you know, gets thrown into this very unusual situation? Well, what do you do with his development and, and what, what's kind of his day like when he's there? Well, his day is just like everybody else. You know, I mean, really, I mean, he's uh, no different. He gets a chance to take ground balls with uh, Logan Davidson and Nick Allen every morning, you know, and we got – you know, Bobby Crosby working with these guys in the infield and Bobby's a great defensive guy, obviously former rookie of the year and very passionate about defense. And, um, these guys are all ears listening to Bobby and it's been, it's been great to watch. Uh, he's made huge strides even in, you know, just four days. Wow. So he's a, he's a special type of talent, you know, they had, you know, obviously had some, some raw ability and raw actions, um, and has really kind of taken it to, and slowed things down a little bit. You know, you, you have a tendency to see those young Latin players, you know, move so fast and then the ball just pops out of their glove. And uh, it's not because they don't have good hand eye coordination. So getting him to slow down and understanding that he's got time, but he's got really good actions. Uh, you know, he's been, I would say, of anybody, he's probably been a little bit overmatched the plate right now but that's kind of an unfair statement because he's only probably gotten four bats again hasn't seen live pitching in, in four months so uh it's a little unfair there he's probably not used to seeing some of the the velos and stuff that uh that these guys have down here so but defensively he looks really good he's slowed things down he's got a great accurate arm uh, athletic body and, and, and runs well so he'll he'll be he'll fit right in very good yeah, it's just crazy the the difference of of experience levels that's that's there. That just kind of blows my mind thinking about it. Um, how did you guys decide when you the development people in the front office when you were trying to decide which of sort of your um, more key prospects you wanted to bring in to make sure that they were getting at bats, working out, getting instruction? How did you go about figuring out? Because you you didn't have a ton, like unlimited number of spots for those guys. You know, you really could only take a handful. Right. I mean, it was obviously the first group of guys were the, the group that was going to help Oakland possibly. And, and, you know, what did that number look like? And then, you know, in a worst case scenario, how many guys would you need? And then it really left us with about, you know, maybe 10 spots. Right. Uh, and so you kind of looked at, uh, you know, you look at a guy like Brian Welvis, who he, he's kind of he kind of played his way into this spot. Right. He went to Arizona last year as a 17 year old kid hit 300 and and, you know, was a great player, the youngest player in the league. I think he had 11 doubles and seven triples or three homers. And you kind of played his way and be like, yeah, we want to see more of this kid. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Nick Allen, Logan Davidson, I mean, they're kind of – they're on the cusp of being able to help the big league out team next year, right? I mean, we don't know if they would be the heir apparent, depending on what happens with Simeon. You know, these guys, at least defensively, uh, should be ready in a year or two. I mean, you could argue that Nick's ready defensively now. Uh, but would need some at-bats, you know, to continue his progress. And so you look at those things, and then, you know, a lot of these guys are, you know, the Kyle McCanns and, and Allen and Davidson, you know, they're the, you know, they're the top of the draft type picks. And, uh, you know, Baum, we haven't got a chance to see him throw Tyler Baum, not, you know, a ton because he had the long college season, only a few, threw a few innings in, uh, in Vermont, and then ended up going back to school, so he missed instruction league. So, you know, we want to get him going and see what we really have there. So it was that kind of combination of, you know, who's the next wave of, of players that could help Oakland out next year in terms of, you know, that maybe they go to double A AA or triple A and then, you know, really getting and some of these, uh, you know, some of these other guys and, and taking a longer look at them. We didn't, you know, those, and there's some obviously money invested in Poisson and, 
uh, not as much in 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 uh, Walvis, but you know he's uh, he's certainly an, an attractive looking young player who has has really opened some eyes. Yeah, that's it. Just absolutely fascinating. I you know I have to say I've never heard uh, minor league coaches, minor league development people rave about any player as the way I hear your people talk about Nick Allen. It really is. It's extraordinary. We've seen him in big league camp now, um, and obviously he's a uh, on the smaller side, but the defensive skills are really off the charts. Yeah, he, he's fun to hit ground balls to every day. He really, he really is, you know. And and sometimes he can do he can do so many things athletically and throw on the run and throw from different arm angles. And you know, sometimes it's just like, hey, Nick, we we get you can do that, but <laughs> you know, it's okay to kind of just set your feet and throw a nice little, you know, hit the guy in the chest, right? That's <laughs> that's okay too. So. Um, even though he has all those, you know, different plays in his bag, we really want him to be, you know, as fundamental as possible. And, and, you know, when he does, when he doesn't need to make those plays, just set your feet and use your good arm strength. His hands are phenomenal. His feet work really good. And so he's been, uh, he's been fun to watch. Now I'm sure the hardest part of all of this for you has been, what do you do with all these other guys who are not in the player pool camp and just out there on their own? Uh, how do you handle, you know, that your most, uh, most of your minor league staff has been furloughed. How do, do you stay in contact? Do you have different people staying in contact with your minor leaguers that are scattered around the country, making sure guys are working out? Do you, you know, give them ideas about what to do? Do you just kind of hope, like, how are you handling all this? Cause we're talking about dozens and dozens of players that are just kind of out there on their own right now. Yeah. It's obviously not an ideal situation, but um, early from the get go, we, we set up, uh, call sheets, um, you know, from our athletic trainers to our strength and conditioning coaches to our hitting coaches and our pitching coaches. Uh, and then when, you know, we had some of the coaches furloughed, we had to kind of, uh, you know, pass a lot of that stuff off. And, and basically, you know, Jim Eppard has taken on a little bit more of a workload and talking to the hitters and Gill's talking to the pitchers on a daily basis. I mean, I think Gill's getting texts from every pitcher every day on what they've done in terms of throwing program or sides or live or whatever they're doing. Um, and then the strength coaches are reaching out every two weeks. You know, we do have an app, um, that they can access their, their workouts to on a daily basis. Uh, and then obviously Nate Brooks and our athletic training department have worked in staying in touch with guys, uh, in terms of their health, uh, not only for COVID, but also just any sort of, um, you know, anything that might, might pop up and then, you know, Travis Timms is on the rehab side. So he's been keeping in touch with guys. So guys have been in contact with them. You know, I've talked to a few guys, but I've left most of that stuff up to the coaches who are calling these guys on, you know, about every 10 days and checking in. And, um, and, you know, some guys are playing in games with, you know, other pro guys, some guys are, you know, don't have access to that stuff. And so it's kind of a wide variety of things to do. And uh, we just really try to manage their workload and, and I think one of the biggest challenges, at least on the pitching side, is like you have a tendency, is, you know, to just like experiment, you know, like let me throw this pitch, let me throw, let me try this, let me try this delivery, let me try this arm slot, and and without facing hitters, you're not sure whether that's actually an effective pitch or not. And so we're trying to get guys away from too much experimentation, you know, too many stance changes, and when you're just hitting off a machine all day or hitting off a tee, you can you have a tendency to tinker uh, a lot, and then that you don't know if it's working or not because you're not facing live pitching or you're, you know, you're not facing a, a hitter if you're a pitcher. So those are kind of some of the challenges. Um, and then the other challenge, obviously, moving into next year is, is workload, right? And we're trying, to, we're trying to get these guys to at least simulate about 75% of their 2019 workload uh, because if they don't do anything, 
as you move into 2021, then you can't jump their innings up on, on pitching side. So that becomes a little bit more of a challenge. Um, and, and then it's harder to develop them in 2021 than it would be, you know, having missed a whole year. So, you know, in certain instances, it might be good for a guy that's coming off an injury and, you know, telling guys to relax. I mean, I think even the, like this year's drafted guys, I mean, we only have, you know, eight or 10 guys, but we told them this is a good opportunity. Maybe just take some time off. Most of these guys have been playing year round for probably since they were 12 or maybe even eight. And so this might be an opportunity to actually enjoy a summer and, and learn golf or tennis or <laughs> swim or do something, you know, stay obviously athletic, but maybe give themselves a little bit of a break, maybe mentally and physically from the game so they can be ready to rock and roll, you know, come 2021. So that's, there's, a, there's quite a few challenges, um, you know, and then I think unfortunately you're going to have a situation where, um, you know, some guys are going to basically, you know, age out depending on where they are at what level. Uh, and if there's, you know, some sort of contraction in the minor leagues, that will affect that industry-wide as well. So it's a, it's a wide range. Yeah. Well, this, I, I wanted to ask you, next year could be very tricky too. Obviously, there there were already plans in the works for, uh, to reduce some of the minor league teams, uh, eliminate some of the minor league teams. Um, I, there are, There's the strong possibility some minor league teams might not make it through uh, the pandemic and the economic downturn and, and all of that. Uh, what are, what's the landscape look like next year for development? You, um, you've got, as you mentioned, some guys might just age out. Uh, other guys might go back to school and say, forget it. Uh, and then you've got an influx of, of potentially new guys next year who, who knows where they've been able to play with colleges or going, having to go to JCs and, and things like that. It's a zillion moving parts, and I think nobody really knows what's going to happen. But have you kind of taken a look at what you guys might be looking like in development next year? Um, I think it's probably too early, actually, to, to look forward. I mean, we're, you know, obviously we're still in the midst of this thing. We were, I think we were all somewhat hopeful that we could have some sort of fall program, uh, whether that's an extended instructional league or some sort of fall ball, you know, fall league situation. But, you know, with the outbreak in Arizona and things not seeming to slow down right now, that seems unlikely. Um, you know, there's obviously some winter balls that are trying to, to start up, you know, Australian Baseball League, and they got the Dominican, Puerto Rico, that have all had at least initial plans to open. Uh, and so a number of guys are looking for jobs there. Uh, unfortunately, most of those jobs are going to go to probably, you know, older players because they're going to want to compete and win. And so it still leaves the younger crowd with nothing to do. Uh, and then we're not sure, you know, what spring training looks like going into next year. You know, are we going to have a spring training that's going to be socially distanced and masked and staggered? Are we still going to be in that stage? And that's going to change a whole bunch. And we still we still have no definitive answer on what happens in the contraction with the minor leagues and how that all looks. So we're in a holding pattern, I guess. And uh, we could speculate all we want, but I think it's probably too early to do any of that. Gosh, what a mess. Um now, one thing I really wanted to talk to you about is you lost your dad, Ed Sprague Sr., in January, and knew your dad, wonderful man, and such an amazing life. Um, from Hayward, so local, uh, played for the A's for two years, had an eight-league, big-league career, uh, and then owned the Ports, uh, which is, of course, now your your guys' uh, high-class A affiliate, uh, and he was a scout, and uh, I think a lot of people know him best as, as the guy who signed your college teammate, Mike Messina, for the Orioles. So tell us a little bit about your dad and, and uh, uh, what he meant to kind of, you know, especially with your baseball career. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, I've I mean, I been around the game my whole life, and that certainly, um, I think, it, I mean, it's obviously a 100% effect on what happened with my life. There's no, there's no doubt. I mean, it, 
uh, we moved to Stockton uh, when I was in the eighth grade. My dad owned the ports. I, I basically hung around pro ball players for, uh, you know, from age 12 to 18. I was bat boy, clubhouse guy, shine shoes. I caught bullpens. I worked out on the field as I got older. And, you know, obviously that had an effect. My dad also owned a batting cage that I hit at every single day. I mean, I got cut from my, my uh, high school freshman basketball team. And so basically all I did was go hit in the cage every day. Uh, it was probably my only real job. Uh, was to run that batting cage, uh, you know, until I moved on. And, you know, I guess until I got this job or a college job, that's my only job. But it, all my jobs have been in baseball, right? And I, my dad's – all my dad's jobs were in baseball. Uh, he scouted for 25 years for Baltimore and signed many of the, the Stanford stars um, that came out of there, Jeffrey Hammonds and, of course, Messina and a bunch of other guys. So, uh, and so, yeah, he was obviously had a huge influence on, on my career and, you run into a lot of scouts who say he had a huge influence on their career as he was an older scout and they were younger scouts. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I mean, in, in Northern California, I think he was revered as one of the old time scouts, um, you know, got to meet Grady Fuson through my dad. Oh. So there's, yeah, so there's a lot of things that, uh, that have happened in my, in my life, obviously directly related to my father and, and then him being a local get, you know, kid, uh, playing for the A's in, in, in Oakland. I mean, I was at the very first game ever in Oakland, you know, I was a, as a one-year-old. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, and then they had Ed Sprague Day and, you know, three months into his career and gave him a car. And so it was just kind of <laughs> in some interesting things that happened. And then, uh, but I always joked to them because I said, you were just the one player that needed to get rid of before dynasties happened. You know, he went to Cincinnati <laughs> in 71 and, and Oakland wins in 72, three and four. And then uh, he gets traded to St. Louis and then goes to Milwaukee. And then the red, big red machine wins in 75, 76. So, <laughs> so that was kind of the, the running joke, but uh yeah, he was, uh, he was a proud baseball man and, and very uh, revered amongst his peers in terms of that aspect. Yeah, I can confirm that. I mean, I, the scouts are my absolute favorite people in the game and uh, really hear, hear few raves about anybody the way the way you hear about Ed Sprague Sr., but absolutely one of a kind. Um, so I, fantastic the influence that he had on you. Obviously, we went to college together and I got to see you play at Stanford and then you enjoyed your very nice major league career and now here you are back working for the A's and I'm covering the A's it's all kind of crazy how everything works out Ed Sprague thanks so much for joining us on A's Plus today and uh, enjoy your time down there in San Jose alright Susan thank you thanks again to Ed Sprague for joining us on A's Plus our producers today were G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman we will be back again later in the week with more A's Plus thanks for listening <laughs>